welcome to this special episode of Zapped to the Past. Graham's on holiday, so to fill in the time, we've done another of our special Zapped to the Past goes back to the past retro special episodes. Um, if you're not sure what these are, if you haven't listened to the first one, you should go and do that. But what we've done is we've uh, gone back to that original episode issue, sorry, of Zap 64, issues one, two, um, in this case, where there were a number of games that we didn't look at at the time because we didn't know what we were doing but we kind of want to cover everything that was covered in the main bulk of Zap. And we've got another six games for you that we didn't look at at the time. So, Graham, tell us what those games are. In this tightly packed school lunchbox containing NATO cut precision cheese single sandwiches, a single packet of no-frill salt and vinegar crisps, and the obligatory breakaway chocolate biscuit of a special episode. We head to the beach, only to find it's contaminated with politically facilitated radioactive seaweed. And guards, in Seaside Special, we get into more Neanderthal shenanigans and rowdy grog shouting in BC's Quest for Tyres and hop aboard our jet-powered aeroboat for a zoom around some floaty sticks in the watery Aqua Racer. Did you trade your breakaway biscuit for your mate's minty Viscount alternative? It's a fair trade. We also grab our huge hand gloves and best batting sticks as we head on the fields looking to smack some balls. In on-field baseball, go on a troll through 1,700 screens of yellow looking for a fancy rock in the flicky Almaz before finally popping on some sports shorts and a vest and heading into the power-thrusting event-strewn world of a judo master in the waggly Brian Jack's Superstar Challenge. Some of these older games certainly showed the newer games a thing or two about a thing or two. Not all of them, though. In there lies an egg. An egg of the dog. All right. Okay. That sounds like fun. Let's waste no time. I know you're on holiday, and it's very good of you that you beamed in and gave us that sort of uh, download on what they were going to be, but it's just, let's just get into it. It's uh, There's no point spoiling. There's no cover to look at. We've done all that before. Let's get into the very first game. Okay, and we'll get into our first game. Um, our first game is over to you, Graham, in this uh, retro look back. This is Seaside Special. Tell us all about Seaside Special. It was 39 years ago when this was released. Ooh, that's and a long time. Let the Seaside Special shine a light on you. £6.90 is an odd price. Um, this is how much it was. <laughs> that's a, that is an odd price. 61% it scored in Zapparoo back in issue whatever. Issue one. This is issue, issue one. Issue uno, numero uno, the big man, number one. This is published by <laughs> Task Set. There weren't many people publishing games. This was one of the very first publisher sets around that time, sort of, you know, the smaller ones, as it were. Mm. Concept is AJ Gibson. Gibbo. Uh, the coder was Tony Gibson. Gibbo. Gibbo. And graphics were Mac Harrison. Harrow. And the musician was Tony Gibson. Not related to the other Gibsons. That's ironic, <laughs> but they're not. They're, they're just the, the, they're the three Gibbs. They were going to be the BGs, but they... No, they weren't. One, one wasn't called Barry and, and Benny and whatever the other one was called. Anyway, so this is by Gibson, Gibson, Gibson and Harrison, which is also, ironically, the law firm they set up after this for re- when they got real jobs. <laughs> um, so this is an odd thing, this. Very heavy on message. Save the trees, give a hoop, don't pollute kind of thing. Tory party are evil, just so you know. Um, uh-huh. Well, in this case, well, yeah, we know, you know, we know what we know now. Uh, well, in this case, you've got to grab the radioactive seaweed from the shores of the beach while avoiding the jellyfish, crabs, and guard, who will do their best to stop you. Get hit and you lose a life, lose three, and you're dead meat. Collect 12 seaweeds and you could escape the beach shore scene and head to Downing Street in London to three your collected seaweed at the alien politicians. Politicians mm-hmm. to you and me. Hit them five times to see them run away, run away. This is all because of pollution, Adrian. Nuclear pollution on our shores. 
which is turning the seaweed into radioactive seaweed, and it's all bad. The seaweed collection part of the game sees you running around a beach shore scene, not dissimilar to Crab Beach, I thought. I thought it was similar to Crab Beach as well. Um, Which was a game that Adrian and I devised during a game jam one time. Um, It was, made it in 24 hours. Actually, it's a good game, that. So maybe we'll post that for the patrons somewhere or link to it. I think it's available somewhere. Yeah, it's on the uh, Anyway, because um, that was, I did the sound, you did the code, and uh, my, my son Ed, Edward did the yeah, graphics, didn't he, for us? Did the sprites Edited and stuff, them. yeah, yeah. Did the sprites, yeah. Anyway, um, I digress. So, uh, and in this game, the you collect seaweed from the beach, the waves roll in, and leave a number of seaweeds um, to collect, all polluted, though, by the nuclear power plant. You need to run around and collect them while avoiding the baddies. They will also follow you or shoot at you if they see you, and you need to move fast because they're pretty accurate. There's also some rocks at the bottom of the screen where you can hide if necessary. Then once you've got 12 seaweeds, you can then run down to the bottom right to exit, go on to the Downing Street level here. A 1984 version of Downing Street, complete with grey blocks, bricks, and the blue door. Looks okay, actually. Appears with large windows. In these, some are familiar of their time-looking politicians will pop up. You are a large sprite. I'll run along the bottom, hurling the seaweed, seaweed at them. Hit them, and you'll progress with the next beach level, having more rocks, more enemies in the form of bouncing crabs, and more challenges. While on the beach levels, you can also throw the seaweed at the enemies because that will stun them or, or kill them in outright, but it, you can't hold on to the seaweed for too long because it's radioactive, you see. It makes you start glow in the dark. And so you've got like a radioactive sort of meter at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and if you hold on to it too long, well, it ain't going to end well, is it? You're going to grow an extra arm or death. It's one of those games that's very of its time, this, and simple. Not terrible, though. It's limited fun to be had, I suppose, but, you know, it is of its time. And it plays pretty fast if you go with it. The graphics are okay for 1984. The, no, the shore effect was quite, with the water worked quite well, I thought. And while mm-hmm. the sprites are a bit basic, they do run around at a pace, and it's all pretty good fun, all said and done. I don't remember having this, though I did read that it was on the 30 Games compilation along with Astral Zone, Cosmic Convoy, Milky Way, Phase 4, Detective, Robo City, Invasion, Micro Mouse, Orion Quest, Poster Paster, Gyropod, Quantic Warrior, Valley, Transector, 3D Tunnel, Bozo, Demon Knight, Jammin, Savage Pond, oh my gosh, Lander, Seaside Special, of course this one, Time Zone, Strontium Dog, Super Gridder, 20 Tons, Schizophrenia, sounds like I laugh that one, Pipeline, Up, Up and Away, Bismarck and Escape. Solid gold compilation, that I don't doubt. Um, I thought for an odd price of £6.90, all right, weird, but for a 1984 game, but it's heavy on message, it actually is pretty harmless fun, all said and done. Nothing too terrible about it. It's not like it's a hard game to get into and sort of crack on with. I, I found it was all right. Just it is what it is. It's very simple. It's a bit daft. And it's you know, written by someone that clearly, you know, had a thing about dislike of a strong dislike of the Conservative Party in the UK government. And particularly Margaret mm-hmm. Thatcher at the time probably wasn't alone back in those days. But um, either way, this is a game that's sort of a fun arcade type tradition. I thought it was all right. 61% from them. I don't know what the scoring criteria and how it worked. It's probably about right. It's nothing great, but it's it's a playable enough game as long as you go with it. It does get a bit samey though. What about you? Yeah, pretty much exactly the same. Yeah, uh, a bit of politics, bit of politics um, yeah. in your games. And this entry from 1985 is certainly not shy. It's actually 1984 it came out, but obviously reviewed in the first issue, is not shy in aiming its radioactive seaweed at the incumbent Tory party at the time. Mm. Um, the notion of reaping radioactive seaweed from a contaminated beach and then heading over to Downing Street to lob it through the windows at number 10. Not the subtlest of commentaries I've ever seen, um, but no. I do admire its commitment to the cause. Tony Gibson, by the way, did quite a few games. Did Ghetto Blaster, Jammin, uh, Beat oh, yeah. Jammin 2. Jammin, I knew there was one that this reminded me of in a way. Yeah, so he did you know, quite a lot. He also did one in 1989 we might have to see called Rainbow Warrior, which looks quite interesting. Look at the screenshots. Mm, cool. um, as for the game, uh, it's okay, yeah. It got a bit drab after a while. It just gets a bit samey, doesn't it? It's two screens. Yeah. You're kind of yeah. running around one. I can't but feel it if the aim was to get rid of the Tories. 
making it so hard to do so is almost counterproductive to the theme behind it or something maybe i don't know yeah um, true. some nice visuals like you i've noted i quite like the sea effect the way it's going back up and down and i thought it reminded me of um crab beach as well and i like the way that your little guy runs on at the start and sort of spells out the name of the um, yeah, name the of sand. the game in the sand some some nice little touches to it um uh, and yeah some of the uh the politicians were, were recognizable and the you know the night sky and everything and the sort of big sort of nuclear power plant with the big death sign on it in the background was yeah it's not subtle but it, it, it is actually okay it's, but for 1985 I think it looks okay it just gets a bit too samey after a few minutes play it's back and forth back and forth back and yeah, forth yeah. and there's you know I know the, the layout on the beach turns a bit and the crab turns up and there's bits and stuff but the actual what you've got to do doesn't really change that much and so it just got a bit no. bit, bit samey but it's, but first, I think 61% is about right um, it's okay it's perfectly fine and a bit of fun and uh, nice to see the tourists being poked at there we go Seaside Special let's move on to our next one And that one is BC's Quest for Tires. BC's Quest for Tires. Simpler times. Simpler times, Graham. BC's Quest for Tires was originally released in 1984 and is the... I don't know, it's the first one, so it's the one before BC2, Grog's Revenge. You remember that? Where you're going around on your unicycle, climbing up a mountain while some... Guy just appears in the shouting it. grog. You're collecting clams. Yep. We looked at that way back in episode two, part two. So going back some time there. Uh, but this then was the first game based on the comics of Johnny Hart. Uh, those comics are simply titled BC, and they've been in various publications since 1958. The comics are the story of a group of cavemen, women and animals and dinosaurs in the prehistoric era, and the, and the games yeah, do a pretty good job of representing them in digital form. This first take on the idea um, has you controlling Thor. He's one of the characters in the comic, uh, and he's on his unicycle, and he has to travel through nine dangerous locales in order to rescue his girlfriend, cute chick, who has been kidnapped by a dinosaur. Ah. That's it, really. Some of the levels are longer than others, with some being a simple one-screen thing to overcome. And in all fairness, it's rather like Moon Patrol, but without anything shooting at you. So, Mm. you know, that's kind of what this is. Um, The game scrolls from left to right, and you control Thor as he proceeds across the landscape. Um, Left and right on the joystick move you left and right on the screen. You're constantly moving, so it's a constant sort of auto-scroller. So left and right move you on the screen itself. Up is to jump, and down makes you duck briefly. Okay. Uh, you can ta- you can use both these moves to combine. So if you're moving left and right uh, with moving left and right, and this is down, sorry, and this is needed to get past the various obstacles. So when you duck, you need to sort of go duck and then forward to get under them because you don't duck long enough to get under the obstacles. So when you're playing it, and same with jump, you, you can jump and then move to the right, so you jump further. It's actually a control scheme that works quite well, and so, and it's sort of you know we've seen other games where we've talked about stupid mighty bounds. I quite like these games where you can control yourself in the air. Um, you know, it's a game. It, let me play it that way. Don't have to be you're jumping so you can't move yourself. I, I like that. Don't matter. If you hold fire and move left or right, then you slow down or speed up respectively. So you could you got to go faster at some points or slower at others. The screen is mostly made up of the game world, so there's quite a lot of um, you know the, the, most of the screen is scrolling, which is quite good to see. Um, with and the UI is at the bottom. This shows the number of wheels left, which is your not your lives. It shows your present speed, your score, and the high score. Nice and simple. You don't need anything else. There's not a lot else to this game. So number of lives, how fast you go in, and that's just represented by a number. So it's just number. It starts with ten and then goes up or down depending there's no there's nothing fancy here 
So because the visuals just are pretty simple, but they do their job. Thor himself is a decent sized sprite, um, but there's little animation. So there's not really much animation, maybe a little bit on the wheel, but there's nothing on really him. Although there's some nice parallax scrolling in the backgrounds as you trundle along with the mountains and clouds moving at different speeds. So, you know, that's all right. The levels themselves all run together. So it's continuous. There's no break in the levels. It's just a continuous run. And first of all, it sees you jumping over rocks and holes in the ground. Then you go into a forest where you've got a duck under the trees. Uh, tree branches and you've got to jump over some logs then you're blocked by fat broad which is a bit of a you know it is what it is um, we know it's not good but it's obviously taken from the comics which were whatever you have to time a jump across a pond across turtles backs um and avoid her hitting you with a club once you get past there it's uphill uh, there are more holes and there's rocks on the hillside, but there's also tumbling tumbling rocks, which you have to sort of time to jump over at the same time as going over the stationary ones. At the top of hill, it's back jumping over logs and rocks, and there's a sort of bird appears above you, and then there'll be a big hole will appear sort of with over a lava pit, and you've got to jump up to grab onto the passing bird. It's nice and easy. You just jump up, grabs it automatically, and you get a little sound tune, and Thor has a big grin on his face. He's dead happy with himself. Once you get past that, you head downhill, picking up speed, avoiding stuff to jump over a large water pit, which, again, you just press fire and you jump over that. They, these things, they count as a level. Like I said, some of them are single screen bits. Um, if you get past that, you get go jump over the water pit. Then you've got to avoid falling rocks, like coming from a... a uh, from the sky, so as if like a, a, a volcano has erupted, and then you jump past a dinosaur who's blocking another lake, trying to sort of hit out. You get past them, you go through a cave, jumping and ducking past stalactites and stalagmites, and if you get past them, you've done it, and you get a kiss from cute chick. You get a big sort of love heart, sort of floats across screen, all very nice. And then you get to do it again at a faster speed. Repeat. That's it. It's very simple. It does feel very reminiscent of modern two-day endless runners in that the fact of, you know, you've moving along, jumping, ducking. Uh, it's very similar. Things like Cannabalt and a thousand other mobile games that do this. You know, this is not... So... And, and, and sort of reading around, this kind of uh, sort of has been reappreciated as maybe one of the first, if not the first, sort of endless left-to-right runner because it just keeps going. And you can, it does, it is one of those, you know, we've said some other games that were like it, but this is simply one of them. You know, you duck, you jump, you move faster, you go over objects, you jump, that's it, it's, off it goes. Just you have an end and then you go back to the beginning and it just loops. It's not terrible. It's just a little bit on the dull side. It's not without its simple charms and visuals. Some of the aspects, though, have not aged well, but it did entertain for a few minutes, so it's got to be worth summing. I didn't mind this, so I enjoyed time playing with it. Like I said, some of the bits have aged badly. I wish they changed the name. Fat Broad doesn't stand up these days. I get it that that was probably... They had the, that had their genesis in 50s and 60s America, which, you know, that kind of humour would have been acceptable and the thing to sort of have it yeah. doesn't work now i'm not even sure it works in the late early night maybe it did in the early 1980s maybe in america it was still the thing and they were just trying to be but it doesn't work now and that's a bit you're like mm, it's a bit mm. of a shame and you know if you play it now it's not going to offer much but i could see it, it got 59 percent, 57 percent. it's probably about right it's a bit on the simple side but it entertained for a few minutes that's about it really you got anything you want to add on to it it is what it is i didn't play it for long I have to say, um, I couldn't quite get it in, into it. I like the idea of these sort of games. These early ones to do sort of do, they keep simple very well. And it was nice to know the genesis of the BC thing, because that was a bit of a mystery in the, yeah, we we did the second one up, we? first. So we kind of put the second one first. Interesting credits for this, wasn't there? Software Projects, Presents, Sierra Online. Yeah, there yeah, yeah. As well. A bit unusual, all that. And I guess it's sort of one of those multi, they did a lot of these multi-screen, multi-event, you know, pro- progression type games back then, didn't they? 
nothing yeah. terrible. It's 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 very early game type, I guess. Like you said, um, crossing the turtles, you know, tricking the woman and doing that, crossing the lava and all that, grabbing the, you know, they're just, I guess the, they are what they are. And the graphics I thought were, were okay. They've gone for that kind of, I don't know, it's, it is quite basic. And I suppose it's, it's cartoon-ish. cartoon-ish. It's very early of that type. So there's not a lot of what you call detail in anything. Um, but no. I suppose it functions well. It's always fun to see the old Commodore font showing up and things like this, isn't it? Um, but, mm. And it has this sort of funny comments. I don't know. I, the, well, the only thing I take from these things is I, I want them to be funnier than they are. Um, and I guess it's just, I just don't get it. I don't, I, I don't, you know, I'm not a fan. I don't know anything about them. I suppose if, if I was following this, if this was some character that I had a lot of affinity for, I'd probably think it was a lot, lot more of it. But it is, you know, it's quite sparse as it goes. And But it isn't terrible, is it? It's certainly not, certainly not bad. Um, so I thought it was, for what I played, which wasn't a massive amount of it, I have to say, but I thought it was all right um, mm. for its time. You know, I've, I've seen a lot worse games in 1989. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it's uh, it's doing what it does, maybe not perfectly, but it's doing it pretty well, and that's good enough at this yeah. time. It's good enough. I forgot to mention it was coded by uh, Charles Benton, who, according to Moby Games, did the original version. I think the original version was the an Atari Atari eight bit, and there's a ColecoVision version in 1983. Mm-hmm. So I think the Commodore sixty four was a later later. Oh, fun games that. Yeah, but I think he. I'm just reading his bio. I think he went on to do something with Leisure Suit Larry. Yeah. Yeah, which is weird. Anyway, but I don't know. Um, so there you go. Yeah, there's BC's Quest for Tires. It's okay. It's very much of its time and is what it is. It is what it is what it is. That's it, yeah. So that's that one. Right, let's move on to our next one. Okay, so on to our next one. Um, this is Aqua Racer. This uh, this was from I think this is the last this might actually be the last one I think from uh, issue one of Zap okay it's the last one we've got from issue one of Zap I think we've cut, we've hit all the rest now so issue one of Zap now is completely done once we look to Aquarius fair enough um, so we're on to issue two next after this sort of thing anyway Aquarius so this is six pound ninety nine this got sixty six percent back in issue one this came from Bubble Bus Bubble I'm not sure bus. what that means Bubble Bus Bubbly Bus Bubble Bus Bubble Bus if it's got three consonants it's fair game for the Calabos song it is it is this was coded by Richard Clark. Richard Clark. Yeah, all goes. We haven't done it in a while either. We haven't had that No, it's good to bring it back. Yeah, this was coded by Richard Clark. He did Wizard's Lair. Okay. Which was interesting enough. But before that, he did this twitchy pole position knockoff. He did. Um, where the cars are replaced by boats and usable controls are replaced by the twitchiest of sensitive nightmares. <laughs> so, yeah, this puts you in control of a speedboat speed speed powered by a giant fan, I thought. It looked- yeah, it's so an it's aerofoil one of those- type thing. Yeah, it's one of those boats from Live and Let Die. Yeah, one of the ones they use in the swamps in the Florida Everglades. I believe so, yeah, rather than a standard speedboat. So not an engine, a fan. Yeah. Um, and it looks like one of them anyway, because it looks like one. Anyway, when the game loads, there's a funky title screen. Some scrolling graph- character graphics in the background. Funky, really funky. And a tune that's not great, but not terrible for the time. Thinking back to mid, you know, beginning of mid-1985, we're not into good tune territory, but it was okay. It's not terrible. It hurt my ears too much. We've got some options. We can opt to play the game. We can have a practice or watch a demo. But don't watch the demo as it's rubbish. <laughs> it just crashes it all the time. Yeah, that won't help Although, you. actually, that's pretty representative of the game. Yeah. <laughs> 
So actually, the demo is pretty good, I thought. Anyway, practice mode allows you to take on any of the game's 20 courses without the hindrance of other boats. Not that that would really help you on anything beyond <laughs> course five or four or three. And finally, you can play the game which is the real deal here. So you want to go play the game. Here, you set the number of players, uh, enter their names, and off you go. First off, you've got to qualify. So it's pole position. Think pole position on the water. That's what you got here. Because you've got to qualify, you've got one minute and 30 seconds to get around the course. Controls are simple enough with up to go faster uh, and back um, to go slower. Pretty easy. Fire changes the gear from low to high to allow you to go even faster. You can get up to 100, I think it's 110 kph north knots, miles per hour, I don't know. You can get to 110 somethings or other. Um, I wouldn't recommend going that fast because it gets very twitchy. Uh, left and right don't so much as steer you as flick your boat wildly from side to side, usually into an oncoming boat or pole at the side of the course. That's generally what happens here. As this is water, everything is blue um, and the layout is marked out by poles on either side of the course. So you've got these sort of poles moving in 3D towards you and that's what you don't want to hit. Should you hit one of these or one of the other boats on the course, then you crash and sink and lose time. Time that is needed to qualify. You get a minute 30 to qualify, basically. If you do not get around the, do not get around the course in the time allotted, it is game over. That's it. Game over. Done. You're done. You're out. Okay. If you do, then you proceed to the first proper course. And that's it, really. It's repeated with a time limit and so on. There's other boats on the course are both in qualifying and uh, in the main game. And they do their best to just, dr just drive into you. They're not trying to do anything other than just get in your way. They are nightmare things on the on the course, and it's really twitchy, and the gaps you have to go through are quite narrow, and you'll end up crashing. You crash so much, you're still crashing. The graphics are a bit flickery. Nothing moves very smoothly. It's all a bit flickery and a bit sort of jerky, and not, I didn't think the 3D was that great. The poles at the side of the course kind of jump out at you. You get, sort of get bigger in the sort of sprite scaling routine. And the other, like I said, the other boats, just this is programmed to hit you. They're not trying to drive in anything. They're just moving to your way, which is annoying. Your boat, as I said, lurches from side to side, and I didn't really find any enjoyment to be had here in trying to get through the courses. Collision with anything that moves is inevitable, and this quickly leaves you feeling very frustrated um, and annoyed, and the whole twitchy, blocky mess um, had me reaching for the off switch pretty quickly. This got 66%. I think that's too high, even for back then. I think there's better games that we've played. Things like Up and Down, put this into it, you know, shame this into a cocked hat. This was not a winner for me, this. I really didn't enjoy this. It was a twitchy mess to play. How did you find it? Did you get any enjoyment from being an aqua racer? <laughs> Aquatic pole position on an airboat. Yeah, that's Whatever it. they call them. I like the idea of it. Presentation of the game, though, was a bit troubled, wasn't it? Steering, though, wasn't clear, was it? It was just <laughs> hard to... It made, they made it hard to play. Yes. Needlessly hard. The marker things made it incredibly difficult to ascertain where you actually were heading and what, what was in front of you at any point, and bends and turns were just a mystery, really. Mm -hmm. And the competitors were crap. They just drove into you all the time. They didn't really want to win. They just didn't want you to. Yep. The main sprite is boat-like, I guess, airboat-like. Uh, background details, well, it moved pretty fast for, you know, for a racing thing. And, and I suppose, you know, there's a lot of text on the top of the UI, though, weren't there? And the graphics under that were a bit less convincing. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it was made ages ago. Zap gave it 66% in issue one with some notes about making the track or what constitutes a track a bit clearer. And I, I have to agree with that. It, 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 the problem with this game is it doesn't, it's set on the water, fine, but it just doesn't feel like you know where you're going. It doesn't give you the enough visual cues to, to help you with that. No. But what it does have, I suppose, if you're going to think about it in terms of its context and time, it does have kind of an arcade value to it in terms of its speed and its view. What it isn't is Bob's plumber, plummy game. And it's just, it's not that. It is trying to be a bit more arcade looking and a bit more fast and a bit 
feature rich. It is, but I just don't think it does it very well. No, it's not. It's implementation, like I said, it, it's troubled. But I think it was trying to do, trying to be a bit more than your average game at around that 1980, what, four or five time, I guess. But it's just pole position in the water. It's just, I don't know, pole position didn't work that well off, you know, on the land. So no. no, it's just, I don't think it quite works in the way they wanted. The, the effect is a bit like that Night Racer, isn't it? In the Atari game, Night Driver, is it? Yes, it's exactly like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, but on water that doesn't work. It's just it's just plain plain not working. And when you get and when you get the sort of arrows coming past at the side to tell you there's a corner coming, they go so they're, they're past you so fast you can barely. It's barely what I mean. Them. It's, it just you, you can't. There isn't enough space, time, and wherewithal in the game to give you the directions and control you need to play a game like this. Yeah. On like you, this, you, it doesn't you, work. You're too that twitchy in control. If you had been a bit less twitchy, yeah. It is very twitchy and a bit, and like I said, all the enemy players, enemy opponents, just seem to do is want to just crash into you all the time. So they just steer towards you, and no matter every opportunity, which is like, eh, okay, not really where I want to do it. So no. I don't know. It, it was six ninety nine, wasn't it? Weirdpricing.com, but uh, it didn't quite work for me. I'm afraid Aqua Racer. So no, not for me. Not either. my favorite thing we played from that issue one. Certainly not, though. There you go. That's our roundup. That's issue one out of the way. Don't say we're not anything if completionist. We've done issue one now. Let's move along to issue two. Graham, we're covering some of the games that we missed out there. This is the first one. This is on-field baseball. How did you get on with this? It is. God, this was released in 1983, apparently. It was. It was. Uh, published by GameStar, or I think it, this one was, was it Activision, I think, ultimately. Um, coded by John A. Fitzpatrick, graphics by John A. Fitzpatrick, musician by John A. Fitzpatrick. This was by John A. Fitzpatrick. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> I think you can. It's also known as Star League Baseball in some areas, I guess. Yeah, I think that's that where was it, a US name. Yeah, I think so, yeah, yeah. It wasn't an, it's a baseball game, obviously. And I think it's it must be one of those baseball games where it talk about releasing your game at the wrong time. <laughs> Because this came out, I think, about a week after Imagine's World Series Baseball. And World Series Baseball yeah. was pretty good. And I remember we liked it. I think we reviewed that back in back in episode one or two. It was it one of the early be, ones, yeah, wasn't quite it? early, yeah. And we liked it. You know, we said it was pretty good, although it was rock hard, but it was yeah. pretty good. So this is another baseball game. It's not an altogether unpleasant game to play, though I found it for ages next to impossible to hit the damn ball. Just... Yeah. I was I went into practice and thinking, I better have a practice swing a few. And I could not... I maybe hit the ball... Five times out of 100 goes. It's really weirdly... I don't know why it's so difficult to hit it, but it is. I think it's the angle you're trying to hit it from and the distance. Because this is like watching baseball being played from seven miles away from the actual field. <laughs> yes, yes, Anyway, it it's baseball, so it plays like a baseball game. You have innings, there's both pitching and fielding teams, and you go into bat. The object is to obviously run around the you know, the pitch and to go throw up past all the points, so you can get a you know a, a home not a home run, but you get round and you score the, the uh, points, whatever they call that. Each batter gets three attempts. It's baseball, you know. I do not need me to tell you the rules of baseball. This plays out in a the pitch is shown from left from the left side, so the batter slash umpire on the left hand side with the pitcher in the middle, and you hit out to the left or to the right, but in kind of a sort of a face on view. So it's a almost a two D view of a three D space. So it's yeah. played out across the field. It's not isometric, but it's that. I guess it's, I don't like know from, it's like a it's like a camera in the up in the yeah yeah it's, it's, up in up in the uh, sort of stadium. Well, in a stadium, but not this one you're <laughs> in. It's the one about five five ten miles down the road. <laughs> um, so the window contains an entire view of the field, which is it's, it's quite a nice idea. And though the players are pretty much person shaped pixel clusters, they do I suppose at least look like someone swinging a bat or running around. The compute team has um, the compute team has the early game curse of being utterly infallible, though. Mm-hmm. So if you play them, you will lose unless you are 
absolutely perfect at this game, and that's a bit of a shame. So don't expect to get very far in this if you play it single player. Two player, probably a bit, a bit more fun if you go with it. It is 1983, but I thought this, it's quite fast in the way it runs. There's a lot of good ideas in there, and it is, there is a baseball game in there, and it does look the part, albeit that it's tiny, tiny, tiny little baseball players from space. But at least they're there. They're there. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. reviewed in issue two of Zap. It did pretty well, considering it was just after Imagine's World Series Baseball. It's not a fair comparison, really. It's the sprites here are a lot more basic and the game controls equally so. But you can play a game of baseball and there's enough options to keep you going. I couldn't even hit the ball, so I can't speak to how well this would play out in an actual game. So I don't know. I think there's probably better ball games around on the system right now on that time. So I think you'd probably be looking at this and comparing this to World Series Baseball going, I think I'll stick. I'll go for the Imagine one. And 1099 is pretty pricey for what it is as well. But Zap's got it at 73% back in issue two. I can see why they did that. It's not a terrible, terrible game. And you can play baseball. I just think that it's one of those games that's, it's, it's you know, you've got hardball and stuff to come later, which is way better than any of them. Mm. Um, and But to this point, you know, there was this way of playing these games. They made these games in, t- you know, a tiny, tiny little pixel people played from miles away because they, they want to get the whole pitch in. And it's kind of that not thinking that you can break the game space up and parts of the game view into different areas on the screen. You don't have to try and cram everything in. You can break the game up a little bit which is what World Series Baseball does in certain essences, doesn't it? And so in that essence, it's, you know, it's all in one, okay, but it's and it's all right, competently put together, but the computer players are very, very, very difficult to beat. And there's probably better baseball games out at that time already, so I don't know how much mileage it would get. But I didn't hate, I hate on it. I just found it not as good as perhaps some of the others that we've played at, at that time, it's particularly the World Series Baseball. What did you think? Yeah, Stickman Baseball. From 1983, that's okay for what it is, I guess. Uh, I think there's some fun to be had in this. I like, I did actually like the full field view. I quite like that. Yeah. It's, it's okay. It just, there you go. You're playing on here. You can see everything. The options, there are some options open for bowling and the likes. You can do fast balls and slow balls, high balls, low balls. So there is some decent stuff there, I guess. It does feel very dated, though, even at this point. And as you said, with hardball coming out since, this has long since lost its place. Could you hit anything? Did I hit? Yes. Yeah, I did hit something. I, I didn't get round, but I did hit a few. Yeah. Um, it was reviewed at the same time as Imagine's baseball game, and that had the that had the big screen thing going on, didn't it, along with the stick. Yeah, yeah. So it had that, so it was a little, felt a little bit more impressive. This was okay, but nothing more. Interestingly, sort of thing I noticed was that it was viewed issue two. Um, not that we're really knocking, because obviously they do a lot of stuff, but um, Lemon 64, which obviously usually uh, lists the magazine reviews, I don't know whether it, it doesn't list the review by uh, of the Zap review of it. No, I noticed that. I had to go to a different page for some of the information. Yeah, but it's got it on Championship Baseball, which was the sequel, saying oh, yeah. that the Zap 64 reviewed Championship Baseball in issue two, gave it 70%, but just it didn't. You, you, you could probably notify them there's an error there and they'd correct it. They're pretty yeah, cool. but it's just the, it's the, it needs to go to the other one. But if, if you're listening to this, there you go, you can... Do what it is. It's no big deal. It's just on the wrong one. Um, they are linked. Um, but there you go. So it was okay. This it was. I, I, yeah, it just it's just of its time, isn't it? It's an early base. But it's a 1983 baseball game, yeah. and I think for a 1983 baseball game, it's actually pretty good. Mm. Um, but yeah, it 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 was superseded quickly, uh, yeah. or not too actually not too quickly, but it was superseded since. But is what it is. There you go. That's on field baseball. Let's carry on with more games from uh, issue two. All right, and our next game, Graham, tell us all about Almaz. Almaz, um, 38 years ago, this, 1985, published by The Edge. Not the, the Edge. Uh, popular guitarist from U2, though. Such a shame. Such a shame. <laughs> yeah. 995, this, uh, 70% it got in issue two. 
Uh, yeah, that? issue two, yeah. This was created by Andrew Green. He actually went on to do loads of stuff for Gremlin, Andrew Green. He did Bounder, Future Night, all that sort of stuff. He did, yeah. And a musician was also Andrew Green. He went on to do loads of stuff for Gremlin, Andrew Green, Bounder, Future Night, that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, I'm loads guessing stuff. this must be one of Mr. Green's first games. Um, it's very buggy, tonally horrible, and graphically inept. <laughs> Don't hold back. <laughs> the story sees you on a quest across the African plains. Looking for the Almaz Diamond. You have 40 days to do this. And that means walking or jogging around 1,700 screens looking for it. Mm -hmm. Like the daunting prospects, didn't they, Batlin? Dotted around is some token scenery and locals who will throw spears at you. And that's that. The main chunk of the screen is the game window, such as it is. And this scrolls, jerks, or flickers, actually in my instance, as you walk or run or jog around. You always constantly walk in this game. And if you move the joystick, it makes him run or jog. Um, so you can sort of speed yourself up. But if you do that, it uses up your water supply. And in the heat of the plains, it's not going to end well if you do that, is it? You are armed with a pistol and a limited supply of bullets. Wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. Hang on, sorry. Stop me a moment. That was the running speed when you moved. That, yeah, you walk and then when you press it to the right, that's running. I thought that was just walking. No, <laughs> just, no. Oh, God. I was looking for the run key for ages. No, there isn't one. It's, just, it, it's always walking, but you can make it run. Ah, uh, wow. Yeah. So uh, your number of bullets, the time of day, lives, as well as, I don't know, there's something that's indicated in the stuff below the game window. Not all of it's obvious. The whole thing is a jerky buggy mess. Um, clearly, there's a big ambition and there's a big map, which means the game is probably also, because of the flickery bugs I encountered, not working properly. And maybe this is a problem in the version we had. Um, I mean, it could possibly be. I didn't find another version. I doubt it, though. Um, these older games tend to be, in, you know, cheaper games to be a bit buggy. Uh-huh. The music for this is something you'll need to switch off very quickly yep. because it's dire and it drills into your brain hole. <laughs> Most of the screen is green with sporadic yellow stains, um, yellow and brown trees and brown buildings. You'll come across the occasional lion or animal. Maybe it's a lion, maybe it's an animal, a log or two. But the prospects of wandering around 1,700 screens of this crap, well, it sounds like you open the box and Pinhead appeared to me. <laughs> <laughs> you opened the box, we came. I'm just looking for the Almas diamond. Not anymore, you're not. <laughs> Don't try and run away, you can't for long. Um, it's awful. I mean, all right, I'm, I'm trying to be kind because it's old. It's an old game, so 38 is old, probably the guy's first game. But, I mean, and if that bug wasn't present in it, which made it flicker uncontrollably and horribly, if that bug wasn't there, maybe that's a book of emulation. It still wouldn't be that enticing to just wander around. Nobody wants to wander around a desert for 1,700 screens looking for a diamond. That's boring. Mm-hmm. So it's the first of... Uh, and it's interesting that this guy went on to do loads of stuff for Gremlin, where they became later famous for games where you wander around aimlessly looking for stuff. The irony, the beautiful irony. Um, so I didn't like it at all. I don't think it deserved 70%. I think they were being crazily generous, really. But I don't know, maybe it was quite in- innovative at the time. Certainly wasn't for me. Um, I didn't like it. And I did try and take the bug out of it and think, well, okay, without the bugs, would it be any good? I don't know. Is it something different, though, for 1985? Is this a big adventure game and I'm missing the point of it? No, it's a knockoff Quo Vardis. Which the Edge also released. So maybe so it's clearly something to do with that. Nice box art, though. All right, I'll give it that. Everything else, I didn't think it was, I didn't think much of it. I certainly would never have given it 70%. Um, but did you like Almaz? No. Troubling and boring are not the yeah. best options for a game to go back did to. Did yours bug out, or was it just me? Oh, it was buggy and glitchy, and I've watched videos, and they're buggy and glitchy as well. So it's just a buggy and glitchy game. It's very dull, glitchy wanderathon. It may be big, as you said, 1,700 screens, but by God, it's dull. Trying to find yeah. the Almaz diamond was just incredibly tedious. And being a white, I'm just going to go for it. Being a white explorer, being attacked by grass skate wearing spear wielding 
Africans and being and just shooting them down. Yeah. It's just not something I wanted to partake in. So I turned no. this off pretty quickly. One to yeah. forget for sure, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Like Jesus, tonally, this is awful. Yeah, put it in <laughs> the bin. Put it in the it, bin. I mean, yeah, just ugh, ugh. Anyway, you yeah, pay ten quid for it. No, I wouldn't. I didn't. That's a lot of I, money back then as well. It it would have been. It would never have been something that would have appealed to me. As soon as it said seventeen hundred screens, I'd have been like, <laughs> you're having a laugh. Well, we've no said this before. It's not seventeen hundred screens. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing over and over again. It's just slight variations of yellow on the screen. Yeah, it was all yellow. It's all it yellow and green. Brown. Yeah, dreadful, awful game. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's speak of Almaz, no more. No more. And let's move on to our last game for this special where we've gone back. Um, that game is Brian Jack's Superstar Challenge. This got this was eight ninety five. This got seventy eight percent in comparison to Alma's is seventy percent. There's something gone badly wrong. This was from Martech, princely sum of eight pounds ninety five. And this is Brian Jack's Superstar Challenge. Who is Brian Jack's, and what's all this Superstar Challenge malarkey? Well, I'm going to tell you. Brian Jack's hey. was a British judoka, which was. means a which means a practitioner of judo. I have learned something today. Yes, yeah, I've never heard that school. word. I know. I knew yeah. he did judo. I just never heard the term judoka. Oh wow! So okay. I never heard that term before. So I've learned that that is somebody who practices judo. Um, wow. He was also the first British person to win a medal at the World Championships, getting a bronze in 1967, and then he got another bronze at the Olympics in 1972. And there you go. However, he later became pretty famous in the UK for his performances on the BB sports show Superstars. For those who do not know what that is, Superstars was a sports competition in which elite athletes of the day from a variety of different sports competed against each other in a lot of different uh, sort of uh, events. The athletes could not compete, though, in the sport for which they practiced um, as their profession. So if there was if there was a running event, then if you were a, a sprinter, you, were, you, weren't, you couldn't go in that one. Yeah, you, you Points might be awarded. advantaged in that. Yeah, exactly. Points are awarded for the position in which the competitor placed in each event. This is from the wiki, by the way. The competitor with the most points at the end of, of all 10 events was declared the champion. This originated in the U.S., and was then sort of ported over. We've got basically made a version of the UK in 1973. It also had um, what I can rightly say is one of the best theme tunes as well as the 70s. I used to love the theme tune to this. In fact, I still do. Mm. It's a great theme tune. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. Fantastic. Brian Jacks became pretty legendary for his scores in the gym parts of the show where he did 100 parallel bar dips in 60 seconds. Righty. And one hundred and and one hundred and eighteen squat thrusts in sixty seconds. Wow. I th- that's, that's nearly two a second. I that's can't some move that quick. Thigh action. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, his partner must be very happy. Must be very happy. Um, <laughs> with this in mind, we can kind of see how we've ended up with the game Brian Jacks' Superstar Challenge. So you know, he was a. So we've got this kind of weird sort of multi-event thing. This this was created by Joss Ellis and Gary York. But Joss Ellis is quite interesting actually. He'd go on to have quite the career. He was the first European employee at EA. Um, He became the director of European development, covering uh, the release of the Bullfrog games. Wow. Um, He was also covered, you know, was behind the first FIFA game. Um, And he was just uh, recently director of development on Age of Empires 4. Wow, sir. That's quite good. Gary York was never heard of again. (laughs) (laughs) So, never mind. Anyway, onto the game. This is a multi-event waggler with a few diversions thrown in to save your arm from cramping too much. The title screen is pretty simple, as is the tune. 
nothing to write home about is what it is but you can play one or two players by moving up or down on the joystick and in a nice touch if you move it to two players it actually says two players it adds the s at the end which is something i approve of it does so you go one player or two players i was like yes. that's nice like i like that that's that's consideration and that that makes me yep. that made me go yes i nodded at that it's a detailer yeah i nodded went mm, that's nice um <laughs> Anyway, there are eight events. The first is canoeing, um, and we see our two rowers from the side. Waggling here is the order of the day. Now, there's something um, called power something or other, power sinking, um, which means you've kind of got to speed up your waggle. Yeah, I, don't yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. You kind of have to do, but it is what it is. So there's, pa- there's power sourcing going on all the way through this. So waggling is the order of the day here for um, canoeing. So you have to waggle with increasing speed to get to the end of the course first. If you start to veer off course, you have to hold it slightly longer on one side, sort of put it put yourself back into the middle of the, the rowing thing. I never went off course, so I never had to do that. So God knows what's going on. Uh, it's quite good. Nice, big, chunky graphics. Um, seen from the side. Uh, you know, well animated. I, I quite, you know, quite like this. If you you don't go off screen, so it's not like split screen like Summer Games two top down one. If you just get to the end of the screen, then the other one just sort of is up one side. And if you catch them up, then you start to move, and they move back. If you get to the right side of the screen, it's nicely done. It's all right. It's smooth. It scrolls fine. No problems here. Next up is boar shooting. Not real boars though, but pretend boars with a target on them. Looks a bit plain this, but works fairly well. So what happens is you've got two two sort of layers uh, where the boar might appear, so one close up and one further back. And a boar, sort of a sort of a boar target, will come on from the side and it'll have a little target somewhere on its body. You have to um, it'll come on one at a time from the side since you move across the screen. You've got to line up your crosshairs of your crossbow, which is what you're firing at them, and fire at the right time. Now you have to be sure to leave some lead time because it takes a little bit of time for the bolt to hit the target. Nice that is. And also as well as you're aiming, the crossbow at the bottom follows your aim which I was quite liking as well. Something I said, we, it was a game we played recently where that didn't happen, that it was annoying. Was it, com, was it like 19 ripoff or one of those combat school ripoffs that we played where you had the gun and it just didn't follow your aim so it didn't yeah, look good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, the crossbow moves left and right. Nice, good touch. Next up is the 100 meters sprint. Waggle. It's just a waggler. Get waggling. Um, then on to squat thrusts. Um, and I've just nicked this from the zap bit where they, so you've, got a, you've got a tap left twice and then right thrice in order to complete a full squat. It's like what you got to do. So it's left, left, right, 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 left, left, right, 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 left, left, right, right, right. And that's how you do it. you got 60 seconds to do as many as possible. That is strangely tiring. <laughs> I found that quite more tiring than the waggling because it, 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 I don't know, but it is what it is. But it's, it's good though. I quite like that one. Next up is swimming. you got to waggle and press fire to breathe when your head pops up. Don't breathe underwater. Bad things happen. Then you've got the parallel bars, the arm dips. Press the fire button to start to lower yourself. Then just as you touch, there's a guy standing next to you with his sort of hand up. Just as you're about to touch his arm with your, with your chin or your arm, you have to waggle like crazy to get back to the top. Repeat. Do as many of them as you can um, until you fall off knackered, So which I did quite quickly. Very hard, that one. Uh, football is up next. And here you must move around the markers on the run up to the goal. So you've got a big chunky footballer and you've got a couple of markers. Tip, if they're at the top, you've got to go over them. If they're at the bottom, you go under them. I learned that the hard way. Uh, so that's it. When the goal is reached, you suddenly you get a sort of, you know, uh, look, you see the goal head on. So there's a goalkeeper and you're sort of facing the goal. Pick a direction, press fire to shoot. Nice and easy. In two-player mode, the second player controls the direction the goalkeeper dives. That's quite nice. So I quite like that. So you're kind of sort of trying to psych each other out as to which way you're going to shoot or dive. Finally, this is cycling. My version of the game glitched out graphically here. I don't know if yours did as well. I was, however, still able to waggle myself to yeah. the end 
So I could still get through it. I just didn't qualify it because you've got to change gear and I couldn't see the gears. I don't remember this in when I used to play this back then. So I think this was just a, a glitch in the version we had. Didn't ruin it too much, but it was is what it is. And that's it. At the end, the scores are added up and whoever has the most is declared the winner. So nice and simple. You get a nice little high score table and then you get like a, you, you stand on, you get a, not like not so closing ceremony, but you, they're on these sort of winner's blocks, aren't they? You know, they're getting the gold medal. So they're on the podium. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the winner's on the podium and then the other one's in second place. So that's quite nice. Does some nice bits to this it takes cues quite obviously from things like activision's decathlon hess games and hypersports um and all those games but the big sprites and varied ranges of events make this i thought this is a really pretty decent multi-event game i really enjoyed this i remember liking this back then and found that although a bit simple with the waggle events there's the lack of subtlety in some of the some of the events the more interesting events like the ball shooting where you, you know, you've got to lead the target and things like that squat thrust football and even the arm dips some decent alternative action this is a good game I, I really enjoyed this and what this showed to me was that the 64 was a great great machine for these kind of games before the end of 1985 we had the two decathlon games there was a third actually there's a hidden uh, daily thompson one so daily thompson activision we had this we had hypersports we had track and field summer games one and two and winter games and hess games all before 1985 and we've reviewed all of them, and we've apart, yeah, we've liked all of them. I mean, there's not one of those we haven't thought was a good multi-event game. After that, it all went a bit alternative-type games, and, uh, you know, it's all gone a bit downhill. Even the sort of more traditional ones from Epics haven't been as good. So I'm not quite sure what happened. We had a great series of run of these games, but then it all went tits up. Anyway, decent game, this. Really decent. Probably worth more than 70 quid, 70%, sorry, got on the issue. At least for me, anyway. I know it's a bit... It's waggle happy, but I think in multiplayer, two players, you'd have a bit of a laugh with this. Good fun. I enjoyed it. What did you think? It's of its time. Yeah, yeah. Um, it like was all right. Games was. Reminded me of Hess yeah, Games. It's all right. It lacked atmosphere, and I think that's what killed it, really. Because you've got no crowd, because you've got the way things just stop. Yeah. Um, it's, it just lacks those details that would have perhaps just finished it off, and it's those details that the Summer Games 2 games come in and put in. Yeah. But yeah, that yeah. said, you've got big sprites. They're well animated. The events all work. I mine glitched out twice. The football went really weird. Oh, and did the it? cycling, the cycling totally bugged out. Although weirdly, if you just pushed up and waggled with the top northeast and northwest across the top of the joystick, it was fine. Just I don't know what was going on with that. Okay. But it probably didn't do that in the actual version. There's, there's things to like here though. I mean, this what this is is a competently put together game for 1985 of this type. And there's lots quite a lot of events. It surprised me how many events there were, actually. Single load as well. Yeah, I mean, I liked the rowing in it. The rowing was good. Shooting was okay. 100 metres, you know, a lot of these waggling ones, are, you know, you really, you know, well, no wonder joystick sales are through the roof at this point in 1985. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, the squat thrusts was, you know, left, right, left three, right three. It's like, it's exhausting. Swimming was good. Yeah, it's taking its, it's taking all of its um, influences, you know, from all the different arcade, principally the hyper sport type games and the, you know, the track and field sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that though. And it's not doing a bad old job. Does it have the, spit and polish of a hyper sports or a uh, of a summer games too no it doesn't it is very much like the hess games sort of tradition with the bigger animations although no and and is it perhaps just a little bit on the simple side really yes it is but it's it's part of the genus of those games it's plenty to go at you'd have enjoyed it had you had this and with a couple of you know with your mm. mates if you had if you could have afforded two joysticks but you'd have you'd have enjoyed it um i think it was a good start to finish multi-event game and it did what it set out to do, and you got a medal of ceremony at the end. So it didn't just, you know, 
quit. Um, you did actually get through and it did calculate the winners of all the events and go through all that. And you and you you would go through it again and you try and beat each other. And, you know, I can see there being a lot of fun to be had. It's not dated so well, but considering when it was made and, for, and who it was made by, a couple of people, not bad at all, really. I quite enjoyed it. Not a game I remember much of back in the day. I remember more about Brian Jacks, obviously, but I don't remember much about this game, although it's something that seems to have popped up and now and again. Mm. Anyway... I played this. I enjoyed it. Bugs aside, even with those bugs, it was still way better than Almaz. So, um, <laughs> it's not I, 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 no, it's, I enjoyed it for what it was. But you're right, actually. These multi-event games, they've always been a strength, haven't they? And this just proves it. You know, even with bugs and with maybe some of the atmosphere missing, still pretty damn good. So, and the later ones, they did come along and ruin it a bit. And they'll try. You know. Yeah, wall wall jumping. Yeah, just say that. You know, yeah, exactly. Now, would I prefer you know the parts of this game? I think this the events are more interesting and it's more difficult and more challenging than something like California Games, which comes much later and has lots more bangs and crashes and whistles and whoops. No, you don't need all of that. What you need is instantly accessible controls and the ability to try and do better, slightly better than you make at any given opportunity. And you're going to have a lot of fun with this. You should not have to fight the game to play it. You should just be able to pick it up and go. And that's what yeah. you didn't do. So good old Brian Jacks. Turns out he's good at this as well. Bloody hell. Everything. I know he's good at everything. Good at everything. Yeah. He never won superstars, though. No, and do you know what? When he found that out that he was that once they'd cancelled that show, he picked up the director of the show's car and threw it into space. <laughs> Still there. That's how angry he was. He's <laughs> on his way to fight the gaplos. Exactly, and then he went to his backyard, and the neighbours kicked the football over, and he kicked that into space out of anger Absolutely. as well. Just, a lot of stuff he did ended up in space. And then he did, and then he got down sort of thing and started doing squat thrusts and went all the way through the Earth, ended up in Australia. <laughs> he actually ch- he altered the orbit of the Earth like in Superman. By <laughs> doing squat thrusted the Earth backwards, <laughs> he's that powerful. It is forbidden for you to interfere in human history. Our bride Jacks. I can squat thrust the earth backwards. <laughs> you can't stop me, Zod. <laughs> squat thrusted through time. Somebody had to do it. May as well have been him. Absolutely. We never know what that timeline was like and because of uh, Brian Jacks interfering with it. But you know Exactly. We'll never know. We'll never, never know. know. But I'll just check wiki. I'll just check the wiki actually. He says he won superstars. I'm sure he didn't wow. earlier on today. <laughs> <laughs> Just squat thrusted something. Yeah. A, that's like thunderous sound you can hear is him rapidly beating the earth into another spin cycle. Good old Brian. So that's Jack. why we don't have to worry about asteroids hitting the earth because he'd just kick them back into space. Well, he would. Yeah, just he'd just yeah, just squat thrust them. Just just point his ass at them, pull his legs forward, <laughs> ping them back. Exactly. Just kick them into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got thighs that could crack neutrons. Exactly. Well, they do. That's so sad. How do you think they split the atom? <laughs> Between his thighs. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly how it was discovered. Never mind all the Einstein theorising. He just went in with, give me that out of here. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's found the Brian Jacks particle. The large Brian Jacks collider. No, there should be. There should be. Both of those things should exist. There should be a Brian Jacks particle, and it should be colliding in the Brian Jacks collider. Which is just two massive like thighs. <laughs> just, just just does a massive squat thrust. Pushes the particles some, together that way. Sat there going left, left twice, right, right thrice, left, left twice, <laughs> right, right thrice to crack the particles apart. The idea of a large Brian Jacks collider just that's that's going to keep me in giggles and laughs for quite some time. I can tell you now. There you go. Oh well. 
and that's <laughs> on that on that uh, cracking neutrons uh, point. <laughs> uh, that's it. We've got we've done that's six it. of the old games. We're, we said we'd go back to these. We're doing it. We're doing them. We're getting through them slowly. We've hoped you've like this little sojourn back to the past. Um, we've still got a few more. I mean, how many we've done so far? Fourteen. I think we're about thirty. We need to look at. So expect a few more of these little uh, we'll sneakily episodes. drop them in when you least expect it. Absolutely, because we like doing that. And if you don't like it, we'll get Brian Jacks to kick, to kick the earth back in time and we'll do it again. And you will like it. Because <laughs> if you don't, we'll keep doing it. <laughs> he gets no older. Every time he goes back, he gets young again. It's like the man himself. Um. <laughs> oh, dear. So there you go. That's it. That's the uh, six more of those original games from those early issues of Zap that we missed at the time because, you know, we were didn't really know what we were doing. But, you know, we're the, there you go. Normal service will be resumed next week where episode 113 will come in um, as we get going into February 1989. Uh, we, it is a, uh, I think last week I said that it was going to be a two-parter, but it's actually not, it's, it's a three-parter. Uh, so coming up in episode 113, we get back to normal service. We'll be looking at games like Total Eclipse, Ooh. Blip, Video Classics, Exploding Fist Plus, Rambo mm. 3, Ocean Conqueror, hey. and Gaplus. So yeah, so uh, this has been fun. It's been a usual thing. We hope you've enjoyed it. It's a bit of a different sojourn. We're on a bit of a break. Um, I know we've only had two episodes where we've gone into uh, uh, 1989. 89 but uh it is what it is people have holidays but here you go you've had something for the week um and anything you want to add about these old games graham no i mean it's always nice to come across a surprise joel jokes aside about and i'm and i wouldn't dare crack a joke about brian jacks anyway because you you can literally kick you into space um <laughs> crack, but, uh, your head, crack your head <laughs> like a walnut between his thighs well yeah well he just you know he just his eyelids do that he can actually crack walnut with his eyelids um, and <laughs> just puts them in the <laughs> She's unnerving at best. Um, no, I've been surprised, actually. Um, a lot of the good games, there's only been really one stinker, hasn't there? And that's weirdly, Zap seems to think it was great, but there was one stinker amongst the six that we've looked at. Um, and the others, you know, there's been some nice little titles in there, things like Seaside Special and stuff like that. Quite been quite good. So, yeah, yeah good. Good. It just shows you, though, again, that the, some of these early games, the, the formulas, they may not have had all the code chops, but the formulas weren't that far off, were they? So, Well, they just made games. They were games rather yeah. than trying to be these whatever... They're just games. Yeah. Overcomplicating it, you see. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Brian Jacks is the, can uh, power lift with his ears <laughs> as well. Careful. Don't upset him, for God's sake. <laughs> the last person to do that can breathe okay as long as no one unplugs him. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. Anyway, there you go. We'll be back next week with <laughs> Brian Jacks Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> There's a turtle on the floor. It's on its back. What are you doing? I'd squat thrust it into space. <laughs> what? It's, Why a rep- do- it's a replicant. Sorry, it's a replicant. What do we call these? I can't remember what we call Repli- them now. Replicant. Replicant. Replidote. Replidote. What did they call Repli-droid. It's a Repli-droid. Get it. It's a Repli-droid. <laughs> Why would you do that, Brian? I'd squat thrust anything into space, given out a chance. <laughs> and then I'd arm dip it. Oh, dear. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> we'll be back next week. Normal service will be resumed. Um, I have been Adrian Mills. <laughs> I have been Graham Raddings. And you have been listening to Zap to the Past Goes Back to the Past Retro Special, number two, I guess. And we'll yes, see you again is. next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. 
We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. We're also active on Twitter under at Zaptother, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.